Welcome to the Scripture Memory Podcast, a ministry of Scripture Memory Fellowship. If you've ever felt like memorizing God's Word is an uphill battle, stay tuned. This podcast will help you make Bible memory a consistent and enjoyable part of your daily life. After all, knowing Scripture is the first step towards a fruitful, God-honoring life. So whether you're a new memorizer who needs some practical Bible memory tips, or a veteran memorizer who just needs some encouragement for their journey, stay tuned for today's episode of the Scripture Memory Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Scripture Memory Podcast, the podcast where we are helping you make Scripture memory a consistent and enjoyable part of your daily life. I'm Dakota Lynch. And I'm Randy Williamson. And I'm Hannah Koner. So in this episode, we're continuing our series entitled Scripture Memory Moments Throughout Church History. And in our last episode, which uh, we hope that you've listened to, if not, you can certainly go back and listen, we began to explore various evidence that Scripture memory was something that the early church really engaged in very uh, regularly, very intentionally. And uh, in that episode, we talked about a couple of things. In particular, we looked at the nature of the New Testament documents Just by virtue of the fact that this was the authoritative Word of God, we know that the early church prioritized it, and they received these letters eagerly, they memorized them faithfully, and we also talked about just the the culture that those believers found themselves in, right, where it was an oral culture, memorization was kind of the norm, and so that's where we've been. Again, rewind uh, if you haven't yet been to episode one in this series, and dive deep with us into those two topics uh, but in this episode, we're going to explore a couple of more a couple more components of scripture memory uh, in the early church. But Randy, could you remind us of the passage of the day, which has been kind of our theme for these two episodes? Yeah, Dakota, our passage of the day, our verse of the day, is from Proverbs twenty two twenty eight, and it says, "Do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set." And again, you know. Uh, the original understanding of this is the idea of a, a landmark or a boundary uh, for land rights. And you shouldn't go back and change something in order, shouldn't change what's in the past in order to profit dishonestly in the present. And the application that we've been drawing from that is that we have a lot to learn from the past that we shouldn't change. Uh, just because something is a tradition does not necessarily make it bad. And scripture memory has been a custom, has been a tradition within segments of the church throughout its history, and we should learn from it. It's worthy of emulation, and we shouldn't change it. So I know we talked uh, in our last episode about the nature of the New Testament documents, and based on the nature of those documents, we can infer slash assume that people were memorizing same with the culture that they were in. We can assume very um, reasonably that people were memorizing Scripture, but some of you who are listening might say, well, those seem like assumptions to me, and to some small degree that might be true. Again, those are reasonable conclusions for us to make historically, but Randy, as we move on to uh, this third point, I think it is perhaps the most watertight piece of evidence that we can find that the early church took Scripture memory so seriously And so let's talk now about the patristic writings, and uh, why don't you first of all share with us and with our listeners, what what are the patristic writings? 
Yeah, Dakota, the patristic writings refer to the works of the early church from um, the late first century to about the fifth century. So think about the the post-apostolic period. And under this category of the patristics, you have the apostolic fathers, the apologists, and then the church fathers. So these uh, early churchmen, uh, they were leaders in the church. They wrote their own letters. They were not inspired. We don't want to make uh, that confusion. Uh, they are edifying uh, to read. But the thing that we really want to point out is that the, the in the patristic writings, these early church leaders quoted extensively from the New Testament, so much so that it's commonly held that if, if uh, heaven forbid, we lost every New Testament manuscript, uh, you could reconstruct the New Testament in its entirety from quotations in the patristic writings. I just want to let that sink in for a second. Uh, I hope the listener will understand the weight of that statement. It's commonly held if we if we had lost every New Testament manuscript, you could still reconstruct the New Testament just from quotations in the patristic writings. That's very significant. Now that that prompts several questions. How were these guys able to do that? How did they know the scriptures so well when the copies of scripture were few? You know, this is before the age of the printing press. Things are handwritten. Books are scarce. These are also church leaders who oftentimes were going through very severe uh, persecution. How were they able to quote so extensively uh, from the scriptures? What do you guys think the answer is? Hannah, why don't you weigh in on that? Mm. Probably scripture memorization. <laughs> scripture memorization. Um, they read the scriptures over and over again. They listened to them attentively when they were read aloud in the church. They read slowly. They read deeply when the documents were available. They memorized the scripture so much so that they spoke in scripture. They bled scripture grammatically, so to speak. Yeah. And, and Randy, I don't know if... There are any listeners out there who think uh, like me, but there's this cynical part of me that might say, well, maybe they were just born with that with that skill, right? Because in those days, everyone had to be a great memorizer. And because of the world in which they found themselves, their memories were just sharper. You know, almost like uh, we, we might understand that uh, certain parts of the world, people are physically stronger if they're, you know, working with their hands, or whereas people, you know, who work at desk jobs are not. So, if if someone has that uh, objection, just think of it this way: Th- think of a movie that you enjoy, maybe maybe a, a popular movie that your family has watched many times. Would it be reasonable to say that between you, your spouse, and your children, you could possibly? reconstruct much of the dialogue of your favorite movie if it suddenly vanished. I mean, (laughs) let's just be honest. Probably so. Your favorite musical album. We still have that ability. It's just that we've reallocated that part of our brains to things that matter so much less than the Word of God. And so I just wanted to push back a little bit on this idea that we might have, well, that was then when people could do such things. Well, we still have that ability, and we're deploying it, you know, uh, in very different ways that are much less edifying. 
Absolutely. And could I also say I get in trouble with my family for that all the time. <laughs> of <laughs> quoting movies we were watching uh, To Kill a Mockingbird a few weeks ago. And I've seen that movie so many times that I can quote the line before it comes. And that's just a movie. But it's like like what you just said. Scripture is infinitely more valuable than a movie. So when we give ourselves over to to read it over and over again, to memorize, we we can do it if we recognize its importance. And that's I think that's what it really boils down to in the patristic writings. They valued the scriptures so highly that they memorized them and it came out in their life and in their writings. So as we uh, have talked now about the patristic writings, Hanwit, do you help us transition now to this next segment where we talk about um, kind of the fruit of the early church memorization? Yeah, so the fruit of the early church memorization, it is amazing to think about how Scripture has become even more accessible to us today because of what the early church uh, members of the early church have memorized and what they have hidden in their heart. And there are three main points uh, that we're going to be talking about briefly here of some, just some of the fruit that has been produced because these people spent their time and were diligent to memorize God's word. And we have a few of them. And the first one is preserving the inspired text. And these are all really large points, but that is a very important one. So, Randy, do you want to go a little bit deeper on that? Sure. Uh, I'll be glad to. One of the things that really points to uh, inspiration, one of the evidences, um, you know, ultimately uh, the Holy Spirit convinces us of the testimony of Scripture, of its inspiration. But I also think that there are some very sound evidences for its inspiration. And one of the things is its preservation. It's really miraculous how God has preserved his word uh, throughout the ages. There have been many who have been bitterly opposed to it. They've tried to destroy the scriptures without success. There have been heretics who's tried to twist sound doctrine without success. And one of the reasons that they were unsuccessful is that in the early church, they memorized and because they memorized, it was as if they had a counterfeit detector. They were able to notice any errors, any changes that might be made by a heretic or a, a copier that maybe uh, had an error. They could pick up on it because it was in their own language. They had memorized it. And so they could instantly uh, pick up on it. I, I don't want to read a, a lot of quotes um, but I would like to share one that I that I found. This is from G.I. Williamson. He wrote a uh, study guide on the Westminster uh, Confession of Faith, and this is on the chapter about the inspiration of Scripture. And this is what he says about early believers and the memorizing. He said they heard the marvelous word of God in their own tongue. This tended to produce in the company of believers a memorized Bible. Naturally, therefore, any errors made by copiers of the Bible would usually be noticed by the people. Just consider how quickly you notice the difference in a new translation uh, when they concern some familiar part of Scripture, such as the Lord's Prayer or the 23rd Psalm. Remember, too, 
that in a day when there were no printing presses and only a few copies of the Bible, the people had to memorize much more than we do today. Thus it was that especially in the Greek-speaking church from the beginning, the Greek New Testament had living witnesses who helped reduce the errors of copiers to an exceedingly small amount. So your average unsung hero that memorized scripture, they help preserve the inspired text. I love that point because I think just as I've spoken from time to time with unbelievers, there is sometimes this question about how did we end up with the Bible? And and what about this process by which God's Word was copied and copied and copied? And sometimes I've heard people say, well, what if someone introduced an error into the text? And yet I think the point that you've just made, Randy, and that G.I. Williamson makes, uh, hey, two Williamsons, <laughs> is that... No relation, unfortunately. <laughs> is that because Scripture memory was happening... Any small error that was introduced, which again was usually small and usually very rare because these these uh, copyists were so meticulous, but in those rare cases where an error may have been introduced, Scripture memory helped the people of God recognize those things. Um, and we have a hard time comprehending that because we have become so dependent upon the printed page that sometimes you know we, we can just read... Uh, if certain books of our Bibles were swapped, we may never know the difference <laughs> in the 21st century, and yet uh, that was certainly not the case uh, for them. Um, and Randy, uh, I think, too, an important po- point that we want to talk about is how Scripture memorization uh, protected and preserved the doctrinal purity of the church. Now, as we think about very important doctrines, such as um, the sinlessness of Christ, uh, the virgin birth the Trinity. We understand that these things are pillars, and and there are non-negotiable doctrines uh, that we have to cling to. But in the early church, there was perhaps some mystery around some of these things. People, uh, perhaps in those first decades of the church, were not able to articulate, what, what is the Trinity? Was Christ sinless? Because Christianity was so new, people were still being taught by the apostles what do we as Christians hold in, in these things? And Scripture memory, no doubt, played a key role in helping them latch onto the truth permanently. Um, but yeah, Randy, anything else you would add to that as we think about Scripture memory and the church's orthodoxy in those early days? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's an understatement to say that in the infancy of the church, it faced just a titanic struggle um, with heresy. I mean, Time limits us from going through all of them, but they were numerous, uh, to say the least. We we mentioned the writings of the patristics. Among the patristics were a group called the the apologists, and um, one of the things that they would do in the documents that they wrote was to defend the faith, to defend the faith from heresy and uh, the threat of compromise. And the way that they did that was going back to the inspired word going back to the scriptures. So let's kind of put the puzzle together. You know, no printing presses, as we've said numerous times now, there's no printing presses. There's not a lot of copies of scripture around. If they had not memorized, how would they have confronted the heresy? They need something more than their opinion. They need to stand up on the authoritative word of God. How would they have done that? had they not memorized God's word. So it was the word 
hidden in the heart that help them to detect the error and then confront it with the truth of the word of God. And we're here today because they won those titanic struggles. You know, I I was reading a book recently that talked about um, the impact of memorization on the way that you think. And it said, as we memorize things, uh, that information forms what this author called a schema, uh, which is like the grid through through which you view reality. And that comforted me because, let's be honest, as we memorize Scripture, perhaps a whole book of the Bible, let's just choose uh, 1 John, which I memorized years ago, I could not quote all of 1 John right now. And that's a little bit discouraging because as Scripture memorizers, we might just look back and say, well, was that time then wasted? Because I can't recite it now. Was it all for naught? And yet I think that that fact that Scripture kind of forms the grid through which we view life helps us understand that time spent memorizing Scripture will pay dividends for years to come. Because now, if I'm in a, in a situation where I hear a teaching that's contrary to what First John teaches us, I may not immediately recognize, well, that's, that's what chapter 4, verse 6 talks about. But something doesn't smell right. Just like if someone said, did you know that George Washington was once employed by a circus? I would say, well, you know, I can't quote a page from his biography that says otherwise, but I'm pretty sure that's not true. There's just something that's not fitting with what I know of George Washington. And I feel like the same thing happened in the early church, which is that they memorized Scripture, and either they could quote a verse uh, to defend their position, or... They just had the, their antennas up in all the right areas to recognize heresy when they when they encountered it. Randy, would you talk Absolutely. with us now uh, as well about the long-term growth? And I know this is the, the last point under the fruit of early church memorization, but talk about how Scripture memorization fueled the long-term growth of the church. Yeah, let's kind of think about this um, in holistic terms. So, first of all, let's understand that God inscripturated his word. That means that he wrote his word down. It's been inscripturated, and he did this for the long-term health and growth of the church. What if God's word, what if the gospels had not been written down? What if Acts had not been written down? What if Paul's letters and so forth had not been written down? What would have happened to Christianity after the original witnesses died due to old age or to martyrdom. When they died, so too could have Christianity could have died, could have gone gone with them. Uh, the oral tradition could have could have died out. Yet what has God chosen to do? He's inscripturated his word. We have those documents. We have those authoritative statements and accounts. And through that, God used, uh, God produced long-term uh, health and growth of the church. It's still here today. So within that picture, let's think about how scripture memory fits in. Um, God inscripturated his word, but before those documents were circulated to everyone, before there was mass printing, uh, before they, the church had the resources for that, it was scripture memory, God's word hidden in the heart um, that l- enabled people 
uh, to share the gospel, to grow in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, to know the truth from error. So it's through that uh, that God produced long-term growth and health in the church. I'm looking back to see how God has used his word and how he's preserved it and then how he used individuals all throughout history uh, to memorize it so that we can have it today to the extent that we do. And knowing that, um, going back to the beginning, that the same word that we're holding today is that authoritative word. And being able to hold that now kind of also gives us some hope for the future to say that if God used his word and has preserved it up to this point, you know, what more can he do through those who decide to memorize his word? Um, what kind of fruit can be produced from those who give their time to it and look at it as a priority, just like all of uh, these in the early church have done? That's a good word, Hannah. And, and I think, too, what we've seen is that in the early church, God's word was enjoyed by God's people in two ways in the written form as as those letters were delivered to them and in their hearts and in their minds. And so we see that God's word uh, really was enjoyed in both ways. And wouldn't it have been a tragedy if only one of those two had been available? For instance, if God's word was only preserved in people's memories, then we would have serious questions about whether what we have now, these thousands of years later, is truly accurate. We needed the, the the printed word. We needed the written word of God. And yet, wouldn't it be a tragedy if we only had the written word? If the early, early church only had it in, uh, in the form of letters that they had never internalized so that, as you mentioned, Randy, they could detect heresy. And that's the same thing that I think we have to be on guard against, which is that we cannot just take God's word and store it on our shelves or store it on our smartphones because we run that same risk of not being able to detect, as the early church did, heresy. And just because we're 2,000 years later uh, does not mean that the faith uh, is not under attack. In other words, just as uh, the church in the first century was being bombarded with false teaching, uh, we have to be so careful to defend the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And Scripture memory is such a key part of that. So thank you, Randy. Thank you, Hannah. This has been such uh, an encouraging and edifying episode. And again, I think one of the big applications that we're drawing from this, back to our passage of the day, is Scripture memory is an ancient landmark in the history of the church. And it is so uh, important that we recognize why it's there and uh, follow the example of those who have gone before us and hide God's word in our hearts. We hope that uh, you've enjoyed this episode, that it's been a blessing to you. And uh, this is only the second episode in the series. We're going to have more for you as we continue Scripture Memory Moments throughout church history. So we hope that you'll stay tuned for those future episodes and subscribe and join us next time for another episode of the Scripture Memory Podcast. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Scripture Memory Podcast, a ministry of Scripture Memory Fellowship. At SMF, our mission is to help you know, live, and love God's Word. If you're ready to take the next step in your Scripture Memory journey, visit us online at scripturememory.com or download Verse Locker, our free Bible memory app. As always, be blessed today as you take time to enjoy God's Word. And be sure to join us next time for another episode of the Scripture Memory Podcast.